just like to welcome everyone joining us for our live stream. It's only one part of our service here at City Temple and Chelsea Community Church. If you want to be part of the whole thing, drop us an email and we'll send you the Zoom details. Or you can come and join us in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings here at Chelsea Community Church. If you have your Bible, let's turn into John, the 8th chapter. We'll start, we'll read uh, from verse 12 down to uh, verse 32, and then skip over to chapter 9 and read all of chapter 9. Before we read, let's bow in prayer. Gracious God, thank you that we can come to you today in the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we come to you, we know that there are many people around the world right now in desperate need. The people of Turkey and Syria, the people of Ukraine. And we cry out to you, Lord, for your mercy and grace to be upon those and all the other troubled regions of our world right now. We pray that the light of Jesus Christ would shine forth. And I pray, Father, that as we open your word, you'd speak to our hearts, enliven it to our minds, and help us to live it boldly. And I pray, Lord God, that you would empower me to preach your word to your people today through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For we pray all this in his name. Amen. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to, them, to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, 
but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As Jesus was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Then to chapter 9, later on. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he, should, he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to them, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they again said to the blind man, what do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes, he said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Messiah, the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for a second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've already told you and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, 
We are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may, who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. May God bless to us this reading and his holy word. Love it when we get to see the whole text. So here's a, here's a quiz. Here's a quiz for you. What are the first things, what is the first thing that God says in the Bible? Oh, everybody should know that. You don't know the first three words that God utters in the Bible? Let there be light. Let there be light. Yes, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, uh, or verse 3. Let there be light. Let there be light. You know, light is important. Uh, it has been from the very beginning. By the way, that wasn't when Jesus, when God invented light. God created light in Genesis 1.1 when he created the heavens and the earth. And by, by the time you get to God saying, let there be light, you're, you're on the surface of the earth where the, the clouds and everything cover and no light gets through. And so when God says, let there be light, it's like a parting of the clouds and things so the light he's already created could come through. So let there be light. And light's so important. It's interesting. If you look this cross-culturally around the world, almost every culture has some kind of celebration that involves light. Almost every single culture. You have Diwali, you know, the Hindu festival uh, celebrating the victory of light over darkness. You have Hanukkah, the Jewish festival, commemorating the... Uh, rededication of the temple. Uh, you have in China the, and many places in Asia, the Lunar New Year and the lantern, the beautiful lantern festival that happens at the end of that. Here in our own uh, jolly old England, we have bonfire night where we like to burn things in the night with a lot of light. And it's fun burning things as long as, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna go down that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dangerous thing. You know, so we, we have this sense as human beings that go back to the very beginning of our existence that light is important, that light is essential. And even now, you could say that modern life would not exist as it does today without the invention 
of the light bulb and electric light. It's what's enabled us to, to function after the darkness closes in. It's what enables us to travel the world, this great invention of light. And, uh, and in the last few decades, actually, we've been learning more and more about the importance of light. Now, we've learned how sunlight is essential for our physical, emotional, and even our spiritual well-being. And that if you don't have enough natural light, you don't have enough sunlight, then you need to take vitamin D supplements. Because there's a vitamin that you get from sunlight that's very difficult to get in any other way outside of some kind of supplement. We've learned how various parts of the light spectrum have different kinds of benefits for us. Now we've learned that a warm light can relax us. A bright, cold light uh, can kind of set us on edge. Uh, we've, we've learned how light can actually promote hygiene, that there's a lot of viruses that will die when exposed to the light. Even COVID, exposed to certain kinds of light, uh, were, was, was killed so that many people would sanitize their workplaces using light. No, it's a, light is an extraordinary thing. And we've had a sense of not only its importance to us uh, physically, but also of light's importance to us morally and spiritually. You know, that whole idea of light and darkness, how bringing things to light you know, we talk about that in terms of helping us understand our, our world. How various religions use light in terms of their spiritual expression. We've learned that if you're close to death, don't go into the light. Right? You've heard that before, right? You know, don't go into the light. Uh, so Jesus understood the importance of light. We understand the importance of light. And in the light of this, Jesus made a claim that is absolutely shocking and totally unique. Now this series, we're dealing with the claims that Jesus made about himself because there's so many opinions. I mean, you go out on the street and you ask 10 people who Jesus was, you might get 10 different answers and none of them could be right. And so instead of just looking at our opinions, and instead of just giving you my opinion about who Jesus is, this, this series, we're looking at what Jesus said about himself, who Jesus claimed to be in the presence of eyewitnesses. This is not some hidden knowledge that somebody 400 years after Jesus said, oh, I was, I was thinking and meditating and it just occurred to me that Jesus was light. It's not that kind of thing. It's not the kind of thing that came a hundred years after. Uh, so the grandchildren of followers of followers of Jesus, they started saying, well, you know, there was something about light in Jesus. This is stuff that Jesus said about himself at the time while he was alive and which had been recorded and witnessed by faithful witnesses. And so we're looking at various claims and the claim today which was striking to people at that time. It was completely unique. Nobody else is making this claim. Jesus said, I am the light 
of the world. I am the light of the world. That is Jesus' claim. He claimed to be the light of the world. The light of the world. Now to understand what he's claiming, we need to look again at the nature of light and see all the things that we know about light. Light is what lets us know what is really real, what is really true, or what is really there. Now, for example, uh, in my car, if I flip down the, the visor and I flip up a little cover for a mirror, there's some lights that come on. They're makeup lights. And I don't use them, as you can tell. But I know some people use makeup lights. Why would you do that? Because you want to see what's really there. And you want to see what you need to deal with. We have the torches that help us to see in the dark, you know, which are very important, especially if you find yourself in some horror film sometimes. Oh, this isn't like a horror film. Turn on the light, turn on the light, right? You know, and sometimes we don't like what we see. But light is essential for us to see what's really there, what's really real, what's really true. Light gives us understanding. As we see things more clearly, we can start to understand what's really there, what's really going on. Light helps us discern and make judgments about things. Now, one of the worst things you can do is pick up a higher car when it's dark because you have to inspect the car and you have to see. And so it's really important in that moment, if it's, if it's dark outside, the lights aren't bright, that you pull out your phone or some other torch and make sure that you, you're inspecting it because you need that light to discern and make judgments about that. Light helps us to set our direction and know where we're going. I discovered this a few years ago up in the Highlands. It was uh, January uh, uh, up in Scotland. The weather was setting in. It was blowy. The snow was coming down. And we were driving through a very torturous section of uh, one of the A roads up in the Scottish Highlands that has a lot of very sharp turns in there. And, uh, and when it gets dark in Scotland, it's dark. because There's no lights anywhere. And when the cloud is covered, you don't even get moon. And it was kind of scary because we'd be driving along like, oh, there's a curve. Oh, there's a curve. You know, and I think maybe Karen drunk more whiskey then than I've ever seen her drink. I don't know. But uh, I mean, it's, it's so important. You need light to set your direction. You need light to know where you're going. You know, not only in that kind of situation. Light also dispels the darkness. You know, it's silly for us if you stub your toe in, in the dark to yell at the darkness, right? You either say, oh man, I just should have turned on the light because it dispels the darkness. Light cleanses and eliminates germs, like we said. Light exposes what is hidden. And again, that too is very handy in a scary movie. You want to see the, the bad guy in the corner. And light does that. And it's interesting, too, that light, if you really understand it, light in its pure sense involves all the colors of the spectrum. 
We call a certain kind of light white light, but that's actually a misnomer. Uh, it's pure light. And pure light exists when you blend all the colors together. And I think there's a message to us about the global humanity and all the diverse colors of our humanity in this world. And so when you look at the light, and Jesus says, I am the light of the world, what is he claiming to be? Jesus is saying that Jesus shows us what is really real. Jesus says, you see truth because of him. Jesus is claiming that Jesus is the one who gives us understanding as we see more clearly. He's saying that Jesus helps us discern and make judgments about life, right and true judgments. Jesus helps set our direction and know where we're going. Jesus is the one who dispels the darkness. In this case, the spiritual darkness and the moral darkness. You don't scream at the demons, you turn on the light of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who cleanses us and eliminates sin and evil by his light. Jesus is also the one who exposes what is hidden. He is the source of revelation about truth in our world. And Jesus incorporates all the colors of the world's humanity in himself, in his particular humanity in this world. All of these things Jesus is claiming when he says, I am the light of the world. He's saying that through him, through Jesus, we gain the understanding and wisdom we need spiritually and otherwise for living our lives. And that's quite an extraordinary claim. He's not saying that some of my teaching is light. He's not saying that I do some miracles to shed light on a few things. He's not saying that I am the one who activates the light within you. He's saying, I am the light of the world. And the people around him, they knew it was extraordinary. The Pharisees, the leaders, they immediately challenged him. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? It was as, it was as extraordinary then as it is now. Oh, but like we said, I mean, you can claim to be anything, right? I could claim to be Bill Gates in disguise. That doesn't make me Bill Gates. I could claim to be, you know, a, a, a world-famous surgeon. And that doesn't make me a world-famous surgeon. So it's like, okay, where's the proof? Where's the proof? What did Jesus do to prove that he was the light of the world? And the answer to that is he healed the man born blind. That was a great story. I mean, you all heard the story. They're walking along. Jesus is talking. And Jesus notices the man born blind. He pauses. And the disciples say, hey, you know, who sinned? This guy? You know, did God know he was going to sin? And so he made him blind from birth? Or did his parents do something really bad and wicked? It's the kind of question we ask now. You know, who sinned? Who messed up that there's an earthquake? Who messed up that there's a war? And so they asked Jesus about this. And Jesus says, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. 
This is to reveal the glory of God. This is to show who God is. So even there, he sheds light on the reality of the situation. So he comes and uh, he spits in the mud, makes a, uh, spits in the dirt, makes a little mud, puts it over the guy's eye, says, go wash your, wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam, which meant sent, because Jesus was the one who was sent uh, to bring light and life into the world. And so the man went and he came back seen. I, I imagine he was probably grateful not to have seen Jesus spitting and, and making the mud, you know. But he's good, he's good with the outcome. He's good with the outcome. And uh, he comes back and he's seeing it. It's a miracle. And everybody says, what in the world has happened? This is the guy who was born blind. And other people say, no, he's just like his twin. But he's not really him. And he says, no, it's me. It's me. Oh, no, you're not really you. You've got to be somebody else. No, it's me. And then the Pharisees, they're all upset. So they start to quiz him. Okay, what happened to you? And as soon as they hear that Jesus made mud, because, you know, making mud was part of the 39, one, an aspect of the 39 different categories of things you could not do on the Sabbath for any reason. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's a subcategory of a category. And, it, you know, and so, oh, gosh, you violated the Sabbath, you terrible person. You know, it's, it's horrible. And so, so they quiz the man and say, well, you know, who do you think he is? He's clearly a sinner. And the guy says, no, I think he's probably a prophet. Oh, we don't like you very much. We're going to call your parents, you know, because your parents are going to tell us that you were born in sin, and that's why you were blind. And, it, and he said, no, I mean, this is our son. We know that, but we have no idea how he got to see. And, uh, and, and he said, talk to our son. You know, he knows this. We weren't even there. So don't blame us, because uh, they're all afraid they're going to get kicked out of the synagogue. And uh, so they call the guy back. And now, you know, I really get the feeling that the guy's had enough of this, right? You can kind of see it. it you know, and hopefully you picked it up when I was reading the story. He's like, come on, guys. What are you talking about? I was blind. Now I see. Clearly, some evil, terrible sinner guy person couldn't do this. Because you know, I know, God only listens to, to those who are with him, who have holiness and righteousness. I mean, that's, that's clear. And, uh, and this is a miracle. And then he said, oh, now, come on, tell us the truth. And he says, well, why? Do you want to be his followers? You know? And they're like, no, what are you? We're, we're followers of Moses. Yeah, we're much better than you guys. We're followers. And, and it goes back and forth, you know. And finally, in the end, they have enough of them. And you're out of the synagogue. You know, we're putting you out. You know, and then he goes back to Jesus. He finds Jesus. Jesus finds him. And Jesus says, hey, do you believe in the Son of Man? I said, I'd love to. Who is he? I am. And the man worships Jesus. It's key. The man doesn't thank Jesus. The man immediately falls down and worships Jesus, acknowledges the truth of who Jesus is. And it's key, it's key to see what has happened. And this man who'd been healed says, this is clear. This is the sign. This is the evidence. This is the proof that this Jesus guy is who he is claimed to be, and I am going to worship him. 
And the idea of worshiping a man was unheard of in Judaism. The idea of giving Jesus that kind of worship. Now it tells us that this Jesus is the light of the world who can you know, help even the lowliest person born blind to see and believe. And people can challenge the testimony. People can doubt the testimony. But the proof is there. The testimony is clear and the proof is there. And just as before, with Jesus as the bread of life, when you know the truth, when you see the reality, when you see the proof, you must respond. You must respond. You can walk away, which is a response. You must respond. You must deal with this reality that Jesus is the light of the world and Jesus proved that he is the light of the world. And the thing is, we're not free just to respond to it like we want to. Jesus makes it very clear in talking to his disciples the kind of response that he requires if we acknowledge that he is indeed the light of the world. Jesus says that we must follow him. We must follow Jesus. And we must follow Jesus because of the promise he said there in John 8, so that we will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. So if you know, you see, you you need to follow Jesus. The second thing Jesus says is that we must believe Jesus is who he said he is. We are not free to believe Jesus is who we want him to be. We are not free to make up Jesus in our mind and follow that Jesus. Jesus says, if we know him as the light of the world and we want to receive the benefits, we must believe Jesus is who he said he is and not the Jesus of our imaginations. The third thing that Jesus said, if we accept that he is the light of the world, we must believe Jesus in his relationship with the Father. In other words, Jesus says, you need to believe who I am with regard to the Father. And he makes some pretty startling claims. And by the way, everybody knew Jesus was talking about God. There's no no question about that. Everybody knew that Jesus was saying, God is my Father. God is my Father. And he said, you got to believe who God is, who the Father is in relationship with me. And Jesus says that knowing Jesus is knowing the Father. Jesus says that Jesus was born from above and not of this world. Jesus said that the Father has sent him. Jesus said that Jesus does nothing or says nothing of his own authority, but only with the authority of the Father. Jesus said that Jesus represents the Father perfectly. 
that everything he does and everything he says is according to his will, that Jesus does the Father's will perfectly. And Jesus says, if you accept that I am the light of the world, you must believe who I am in my relationship with my Father, just as I've told you. And Jesus says that we must know Jesus through the cross. He says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. And in the cross of Christ, it is the full revelation of Jesus and what He came to do, sealed by the empty tomb on the third day. And Jesus says, if you want to know me, the only way you can do it is through the cross. You can't pretend that I wasn't killed on the cross. You can't pretend that somebody else was killed on the cross. That's not what happened. Jesus is saying that he is the one who died on the cross. Jesus is saying we must respond to him, that by we must abide in his word to be his disciples, to be his followers. He said, you must be my followers. How do you become one of his followers? How do you be his follower? You have to abide in his word. That means you got to do what he says. You got to live your life as Jesus would live your life if he was you. That's the goal. That's the, that's the challenge from Jesus Christ. And the promise is that if we do that, if we abide in his word, we will be his followers and we will know the truth. The light of Jesus will shine so that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. That's the only way you know the truth is through Jesus Christ. We can expect none of the benefits of Jesus as the light of the world without following Jesus as his disciple. We can expect nothing from Jesus unless we respond to Jesus as he is. And we know that instinctively. We know that instinctively. If you come up to me after, after the service and you say, Rod, I want to chat with you for a little while. I'm saying, okay. He said, uh, uh, would you take my McDonald's order, please? I need uh, four Big Macs, uh, four large fries. And I'm like, go get it yourself. You know, I'm not your McDonald's go-to guy. Right? You got to treat people on the basis of who they actually are, right? Jesus expects nothing less than that. Without responding to Jesus in the way that Jesus tells us to respond to him, without believing who Jesus is, as Jesus said he is, without that, we're only walking in darkness, no matter how much we think we see. And quite frankly, as the headlines have said, even this week, there are many people in churches of Jesus Christ all around this country who think they see, but are blind. Because they've never responded to Jesus as Jesus really is. They've created the Jesus of their own minds, of their own imaginations. They've created a Jesus that conforms to our culture and our cultural expectations, but they have not responded to Jesus in faith and trust according to who Jesus said he is, doing what Jesus said to do as we abide in his word. 
No, frankly, Jesus as the light of the world is the only way that we can understand the world in which we live. We saw that with the disciples. I mean, they struggled to understand why a guy could be blind. We can under, struggle to understand all of the things going on in our world. And we don't always know how to explain it. But through Jesus Christ, we can begin to wrestle, to struggle, to understand why bad things happen in the world. That there is an enemy in this world. How many of the lives that were lost in Turkey have been lost because of sinful cost-cutting on the part of builders? Probably 20,000. The vast majority of the people who died in the earthquake will have died because of human sin. You can't blame it as an act of God. It's human sinfulness. It's human sinfulness. And there is evil in this world. You know, if you try to explain the war in Ukraine based on NATO against Putin and, and all of these kinds of things, you'll miss it. Jesus, the light of the world, shows us that there's real evil at work in this world and that this evil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Knowing Jesus as the light of the world is the only way we can understand the world in which we live. We can stop attributing blame, finding somebody to blame other than ourselves. And people will always struggle until they know Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus as the light of the world is the only way we can see who we really are and what we really need spiritually. But the light of Jesus shined on me and on you as a Christian. The curse of sin is broken. The blood of Jesus and the light of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. We can begin to see who we are, not based on what we do, not based on our culture, not based on our birth, not based on our wealth, but based on God's love in Jesus Christ, who shines his light on us and says we are loved and we are loved by God so much that Jesus Christ would die on the cross for us. Otherwise, people are blind. And Jesus came so that those who do not see can see, can really see who he is and who we are. But those who claim to see will be blind. And everyone who claims to see outside of Christ, even if they bear the name Christian for themselves, they do not see. And there are many people who claim to be believers that are walking in blindness. And what's worse, if you claim to see but you do not see, you are still guilty of your sin. Jesus is the light of the world. There is no other light but Jesus. That is what he claimed. And we must believe and truly follow Jesus as the light of the world to be free. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for the revelation of Jesus. Thank you that Jesus is the light of the world. Thank you that when we walk with Jesus, we will not walk in darkness. 
Thank you, Jesus, and as the light of the world, you show us what's really real. You dispel the darkness. You give us the ability to discern. You help us to set our course and our direction for life every single day. You cleanse us. And you flood our lives with the light of your love. We love you. Holy Spirit, come. Come and enliven the word to our hearts. Come and give us the supernatural faith, the supernatural confidence that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be as the light of the world. And show us how to live according to that reality. All for the glory, honor, and praise of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For we pray all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.